Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we can go to Victor Hugo station, metro station, and <laughs> yeah, I love that it was Sarah who was like the only thing that got brought up of what being wanting to do is like, why did Javert kick it? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even have to beg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll go to the sewer museum. I, yeah. I I think that we should do that. I I absolutely agree. We must go to the sewers. See all the spots where people in Lima's died. Yep. <laughs> and uh, go to Disney. That's that's what Paris is, right? Yeah, surely. Welcome to Reddit Barricades. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they them pronouns, and I am your host. And today, <laughs> uh, I don't know whether I should say this. Oh uh, well. So. I write plays for a living, and one of the plays that I have written um, is did kind of start its life as a <laughs> lamest fan fiction, and it was a, a, a standard play, no music, until recently, where it's like started to become a musical. And as one of our friends, Alexa, pointed out, it slowly become the cycle back into becoming. <laughs> A musical so um that has been kind of lodged in my brain for the last uh two weeks <laughs> oh i can't wait to see it in its next form because it was great seeing it in it this is the one that i've seen right yes yes i was like wait does Nima have multiple lamest fic plays because i would believe it pretty much every one of my plays is just the lamest au yeah but yeah when when we saw it I literally was just like hand covering mouth to hide the gleeful grin, leaning back, then leaning forward, then leaning back in the seat, just like ah! <laughs> <sighs> I'm I'm yes. I, I, I we had a rehearsal photographer come in and it's the first time <laughs> Like you can clearly see how um hype I am <laughs> to have this uh play come to light and like yeah, there's photos of me um looking very, very joyful. So <laughs> Incandescent. <laughs> this is Stevie, she they pronouns, and that joyful news is your Valentine's Day gift to me. Oh, yes. Not to date when we're recording this or anything. Oh. I've done it way too many times to stuff at this point. <laughs> it's just your fun little quirk. Yeah, it's that, like sometimes I'll date it and for anyone listening it would be like, oh, they record three months ago and then other times we're like, this is the day before it's going out. Can you tell that life's getting out of our hands? Uh... I guess speaking of life getting out of people's hands. <laughs> mm. No one's dying this episode. That would be a better uh, lead in in the future. Mm. But yeah. um, we left off with Marius was being a little peeping Tom. Yeah. And then he saw she. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. The girl has entered the Jondrette's rooms with the old man. He could be, who knows who he's more excited about. Now, like, at this point, we do know that it is she he's more excited about. Because um, he literally doesn't hear any words that are said in this interesting plot. <laughs> yeah. Because she's in the room and that's all, that literally all he can think about is Nemo singing Why Do Birds Suddenly Appear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... We pick up where we left off in that dark hovel mm -hmm. that's like entering a cellar. Monsieur Leblanc, with his sad but kindly expression. Oh. <laughs> <Are> you okay? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was hearing the fanfic. I tell I tell size, <laughs> but I never actually heard it. <laughs> with my ears and not it with my eyes <laughs> <laughs> well we, we we've um yeah 
planned that trip to Paris and I'm, you know, half a glass of wine in. I'm feeling, and it's Valentine's Day. I'm clearly feeling everything right now. (laughs) So full of love and this chilies. Yeah, (laughs) Monsieur LeBlanc, with those sad but kind eyes, approaches Jondrette, the father, and is like, Monsieur, here's a parcel with some new clothes and some woolen stockings and some blankets. And as we may recall, that Jondrette, when discussing that this old man was going to come over, was like, I bet he's just going to give me stuff. People never want to give you money. They just want to give you their old crap. And sure enough, so... This chapter very much falls into mine and Nemo's, like, the true form of Les Mis is to be performed as a pantomime. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, we've had this room that they're in really described. Like, it's not a big room. It's quite a small room. Although it's a bit bigger than Marius's room. But, like, they're still quite small rooms. And, like, everyone's in this room. There's Now there's, like, how many bodies? There's Jondrette, his wife, his two daughters, Monsieur LeBlanc, his daughter. That's six people in a room. Mm. There's not much space for all these little sides that happen. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> that something will happen, and then Jondrette will, like, lean over and secretly whisper in someone's ear like oh what did i tell you like cast offs no cash they're all the same and you're like i'm pretty sure he can hear you or at the very least see that you're doing this yeah yeah but it just like doesn't stop happening <laughs> so well, yeah what you don't know is that um lemis is actually about a, t- a group of mutants and tenadier's uh mutant superpower is uh mind reading so he he's professor x i see so he when it says leaning over to whisper in his daughter's ear he's whispering yeah. with his mind yes exactly That's actually legitimately the only thing that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how in French you need to have like ten words to say one thing. Um, that's just Victor Hugo's way of saying that he's a tele he's te- telepathic. Yeah, I buy it. I must buy it because otherwise, Hugo, like, what's happening? <laughs> or like, we know from what we know. Actually, we don't know a ton about Monsieur LeBlanc if we don't assume that he's perhaps Jean Valjean. Yeah, <laughs> that he's this kindly what? old man. <laughs> That were like, maybe he's just like, I respectfully don't hear. <laughs> yeah, that prisoner who can uh, who can hear like Chavez's footsteps coming up the stairs absolutely <laughs> can't hear someone whispering a meter away from him. Yeah, because then you know, like Jondrette's like, wait, so like, what name am I pretending to go by? Mm. And the daughter's like, Fabonto, and he's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, the actor, okay, great, great, I've got my story. So then he's like puts on takes this moment to exert his influence over the philanthropist in mm. quotation marks the ph- <laughs> philanthropist and he's got the charlatan's fla- fairground patter and the hub I can't speak <laughs> too much excitement <laughs> the humbleness of the mendicant who plies his the highways uh so like he's just like a very good showman is mm. Jondrette it's like, oh, alas, it's time, the turn of misfortune. You see, my charitable friend, I have no bread and no fire, and my poor babies, they don't have a fire in this broken chair and this window that's cracked and the weather and my poor wife in bed sick. Cough, cough, cough. I'm so ill. Cough, cough. Literally, he's like, <laughs> then to his daughter is like, why aren't you crying? Cry for Monsieur <laughs> Leblanc. <laughs> um... Because she'd fallen silent in the like shock of these people coming in here, and he's like, "Cry then, go on, ball," um, and grabs her injured hand so that she starts crying. Mm. Um, and the adorable young lady that in his heart Marius called his su uh, darts darts over to the girls like, "Oh dear, poor child," and Jondrette's like, "Oh, it happened in an accident while she was working machine, just to earn six sous a day." She may have to have her arm cut off. Oh, God. And the old man's like, oh, God. Like, literally. 
Um, <laughs> and the little girl is like, oh god, that is that true? So it starts crying louder. But then, for several moments, Jondrette had been looking at the philanthropist, which is always in quotation marks, mm. in a bizarre way. Like, he's trying to summon up some memories. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, once again, leaning over to another character is like, Take a look at that man. <laughs> that's the that's the title of the song that does happen. Um, I guess it's kind of like um, we don't talk about Bruno. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because like, dude, please, we will look at this man. Um, <laughs> and then he turns back to Monsieur LeBlanc. So he's literally like comedically turns around to another character in this tiny room of six people, and is mm. like. Hey, what about this? Turns back around. Well, anyway. <laughs> that, like, that just, unless I'm imagining it on stage where, you know, a character, like, takes a couple steps forward. So with my imagination, mm. I'm going to allow that to happen and mm. not feel goofy. Yeah, well, I, well, uh, well, um, Hugo very much wanted to be a playwright, right? So... So he was just um, writing the panto. Yes, he was. I, I'm assuming like he kind of got to this bit and was like imagining it on stage. I guess in the same way that maybe a lot of novelists nowadays might be writing novels, you know, imagine them as novels, but also might be thinking in their head in a very um, TV or screen writey way. Mm. Yeah. Just because of the influence of like what what is in our culture. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, if everyone else was having conversations in this little room, I would allow it. But it's <laughs> literally not. Yeah. They're all just, like, silently staring at the one-man Jondrette. Mm. Um, yeah, he turns back to Monsieur Leblanc and continues his lament, like, Oh, I've got to cover myself as a chemise that belongs to my wife and it's torn and it's winter. I can't go out because I don't have a coat. My wife is ill. Not a sou. My daughter's seriously injured. Not a sou. Uh, she needs help and my daughter too. We've got the song is coming together. He's, it's already rhymes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then he says, I think he means this as in for begging, but like, I'd go down on my knees for ten <laughs> centimes, monsieur. Would you know? That's what the arts are reduced to. Mm. Uh, but I've brought up my children religiously, monsieur, because he knows that he's speaking to a very religious man. Yeah. So he's like, I don't want to. I don't want to see them on the stage. Now I'm going to bring them up <laughs> virtuously, and they'll be honest and kind and believing God by heaven. Mm. Um, From the Voltaire. Uh, history that I read actors at this point in time weren't allowed to be buried right? Oh I feel like yeah Um, I do recall that being said because Christians didn't think that they had like it was yeah sinful wrong to be an actor to be on stage and so there was like loads of rich people who would like try and secretly bury their actor friends but but if the church found out, then they'd be like, no, you can't do that. Oh. Um, so that's a, a, an interesting thing that Voltaire's life gave us so that yeah. I could take. I mean, I guess that makes sense because if you, yeah, if you're talking to a religious person and you're like, oh, I'm a poor, you know, writer, I'm a poor theater maker, you would have to tread the line lightly to be like, but also the sin stops at me. My family is like, you know, they they, they, they shouldn't be penalised for um, my sinful artisticness. Um, they're not going to go on stage. Trust me, like, they're super religious and, you know, they can be buried. Oh, that's so interesting. Voltaire. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I barely ever, like, barely ever get to do this. I'm going to tangent off that tangent. Hell yeah interesting to me uh, mm. whose area of study was medieval England mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was a time where basically the only plays you could do in the sort of like tens like 
Chaucer, like Canterbury Tales kind of times, like mm. kind of pr- around that sort of time period. The only sort of plays you would be doing were religious ones, where mm. like that was the entertainment, and like everyone would get super involved in like whole festivals of just putting on plays of like Bible scenes. Mm. Um, and that was like really good because that was teaching everyone through like theatre and making it into a big spectacle Um, but that was hundreds of years before this point but yeah I guess we kind of got a we Christians (laughs) (laughs) a bit bit lame (laughs) but yeah that it goes from like this is like peak good fun um, but also you're learning to like mm. you will not be burying those actors. Yeah. God wouldn't yeah. want that. Well, they still like liked theatre, right? Like it was still a uh it wasn't like an underground thing. You still had the king having private theatre mm. shows. Actually you had to have the royal permission to you had to like dedicate plays to the the royals or, mm. or to a certain royal in order to get it published and all that kind of stuff. So it's it it, it wasn't like you know oh completely dirty work, but still there was there was still the element of like the religiousness to mm-hmm. it. We enjoy your art, but we don't respect you enough to think you'll go to heaven. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, you, you can entertain us on this mortal coil, but mm. you know your body will suffer for yeah. it. <laughs> it ends there. Yes. Well, these girls will believe in God, but on a different note, uh, unrelated. Uh, my, um, <laughs> I kind of owe my landlord like tomorrow, tonight. Um, mm. And this, I don't know if this is maybe this is just how people spoke or if it's just such a Hugo turn of phrase that he loves to be like, I owe four quarters a whole year. That is to say, 60 francs. That's totally a Hugoism. That is to say. <laughs> that is to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you've said it like that. You, you, you've you um, quoted things like that quite a few times. And every time I'm like, Hugo. Yeah. So doofus. <laughs> If anyone knows otherwise, tell me, please. Otherwise, I will just keep making fun of him for it. Yeah. But Jean-Drette was lying because four quarters would have only been 40 francs. And he could not have owed that much because not six months ago, Marius had paid for two. Mm-hmm. Um, and Monsieur LeBlanc, he pulls out five francs. And Jean-Drette, this time, turns to his eldest daughter and is like, Bastard! <laughs> What does he expect me to do with five francs? That won't pay for my chair. Come on, shell out. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Monsieur LeBlanc, with his kind, sad eyes, removes mm. the heavy brown greatcoat he was wearing over his blue frock coat mm. uh, and throws it over the back of a chair and is like, all I have on me is this, these five francs. I'm going to take my daughter home and I'll come back this evening. Um, that's when you need to pay by, isn't it? And Chandra immediately is like, hee hee! Um, hmm. Lights up with a strange expression. Uh, and I was like, yes, I must be at my landlord's by eight o'clock. So Monsieur LeBlanc's like, okay, I'll be here at six and I'll bring those 60 francs. And he's like, oh, my benefactor! Um, and then added once again under his breath, take a look at him, wife! <laughs> but yes, once again, Monsieur LeBlanc does not see, he cannot hear. Mm. The, at that moment, while they're making these, like, you'll be here at six, I'll be there at six. At, at six o'clock, monsieur? Yes, at six o'clock, monsieur. Um, six o'clock sharp. The Jean-Drette girl, the elder, is like, oh, you're forgetting your coat. And Jean-Drette glares at his daughter. <laughs> monsieur Leblanc is like, with a smile, says, I'm not forgetting it. I'm leaving it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Angel Dret's like, allow me to see you to cut your carriage. And he's like, if you come out, wear the coat. It's just really very cold. Um, so Jean Dret puts the coat on. And out they go. Next chapter. Licensed cab fare, two francs an hour. Mm. And now cabs in Paris make me think of learning about the cabs who would send letters on New Year's. Yeah. 
So it was all useful information. <laughs> yeah, it was. And we know that they'll hike up prices if uh, something good's going on. <laughs> yes, um, cab search, as we know. Yeah, or if they don't like the look of you, as we're about to learn. <laughs> Ooh, excellent. So, Marius had missed nothing of this entire scene. and yet... Except everything. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, he had actually seen nothing. <laughs> so I Fucking see you're familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those eyes, they'd just been so fixed on the girl, and his heart had, so to speak, alighted on her. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole time she was there, he'd been in that state of ecstasy that suspends material perceptions, contemplated not that girl, but that luminescence in a satin cloak and velvet hood. Um, the star Sirius might have entered the room, and he would not have been more dazzled. <laughs> She, the girl, opens the package and gives the clothing and the blankets to the um, to the mother and the injured girl with sympathy and kindness. And he watches like a little weird hawk, mm-hmm. um, trying to catch her words because um, he's not familiar with the sound of her voice. But unfortunately, oh, he would have given ten years of his life to hear it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, everything was drowned out by Jondrette's trumpetings. Mm-hmm. And all that whispering that he's doing yeah. to the side. <laughs> Wait, could you not hear the whispering either, Marius? <laughs> and this brought about genuine anger to Marius's rapture. Uh-huh. But I think that's only, is that the second time? Maybe the third time that we've known him to be angry. Because mm. I think he like finally told off his granddad. Oh yeah, and then a breeze blew up his SU's skirt oh, yeah. one time. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was pretty. He was pretty emotional at the Ami, but I don't know whether that was rage mm, when can... they were talking about politics and like him being like, "Oh, you don't understand Napoleon and stuff." Yeah, that's true. I wasn't sure if it was like impassioned, but it was, it probably mm. did toe that line. Wow, mm. it's pretty. Genuinely angry. Quite a lot. It's ruining his rapture. Um, um, yeah. Could not believe that divine creature he was seeing among these vile beings in this monstrous slum. Mm-hmm. You're like, you live there too, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> what is it? Um, uh, I can't remember what the actual phrase is, but like, don't shit in your own house. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever. basically. Don't shit where you eat as well. Yeah, literally. It was like seeing a hung- hummingbird among toads. Wow. Wow. I know, wow. like, even the two little girls that are shivering and starving, Marion. Yeah. And also, I was like, toads? Why are you so mean to toads? <laughs> Bastard. He doesn't have an appreciation for... Yeah. The He's clearly thing- not non-binary. Yeah. <laughs> we can-, can confirm many things. <laughs> Uh, when she leaves the room he has only one thought which is the only thought he ever has about her which is I must follow her <laughs> fucking Christ I was thinking when you were saying about the anger thing I was like is it <laughs> is it Jacob in Twilight who's like really angry and or like goes between hot and cold or yeah especially when he's first going through his werewolf transformation sequence because I've read those books 30 times a piece <laughs> excellent and, and and also he follow he's creepy towards the well little girl but also to the mother to, yeah. to Bella that's where my brain was because I was thinking like most people like envision him as like Arpat's uh, white brown hair casting type right but um, personality wise has got the personality of uh, Jacob they do both follow Bella around right but cool yeah I like I guess it's not happened super often but he does have these weird little rages mm. that like as well you know there is healthy anger but um mm. that we've the the times that, that most come to mind when anger is actually like explicitly used as a mm. word to describe him is like the breeze threw up her skirt and she yeah. immediately was like oh and put it back down because yeah. like what are you going to do and like 
I can't hear her voice. These fucking poor people talking over her. Ugh, gross. Yeah, it's not great. I'm glad that I'm coming back round to <laughs> um, this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there was a reason why I didn't like him, and it's not because yeah. you reminded me of me. <laughs> yeah, we're back on track. Well, because, yeah, yeah, this is all a process. We've got so much Marius to come. So yes. we'll uh, save our sadly. final thoughts until the end. Yeah. But one thing occurs to him and stops him from literally just opening his door and following her. And that he's like, hmm. Monsieur LeBlanc's not in the carriage yet. And if he was to turn around in the corridor and see me, he'd probably be <laughs> yeah. a bit alarmed and probably contrive to elude me again. And then it would be the end of all this again. Yeah, just a bit. So he's like, okay, I'll wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So then when there's no one in the corridor, he's set and then he runs down the stairs uh, and there's no one on the stairs runs down to the boulevard and he sees a cab turning the corner that's heading back into Paris. And he starts to run in that direction too. Mm. Um, And when he reaches that corner, what luck, there's another cab. Because running after it the full way, that's out of the question. Because that'll probably draw attention. (laughs) And Monsieur LeBlanc will probably recognise me. Yeah, if you're just like Naruto running behind the cab. <laughs> also, like, we know this boy, like, isn't spending money on himself. So he's got, like, one pair of good shoes, but he wears them, he's worn them through. And, like, mm. he doesn't, like, we know he has meals. We know meticulously what he spends on meals, but, like, mm. it's not that much that often. Mm. I don't mm. think this boy has much stamina. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't, yeah, he's not, like, doing a, a nice little jog and a leg day, is he? No. He's, like, sitting at home moping and translating books from German, so... So, yeah, he could Naruto run for maybe a block. <laughs> if a block is, like, an American block, which is, like, what? Six houses? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Well, I don't think he could run very far. Is... No, no. And also he wouldn't want to because as we as we know about French um, fashion, if you get one speck of dirt on your boot, that's worse than having a speck of wine on your shirt or something. Oh, yeah. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, of course he can't run after this cart. Yeah, um, yeah. But yes, what like another cab is here. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, waves them down. But we must bear in mind that he's run out of his room without a cravat. <gasps> on his In his old work coat, which has buttons missing, a torn shirt, <gasps> and looking like the little haggard boy that he is. So the yeah. cabman, he does stop. But he's like, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need you to pay in advance. Yeah. And it is then that Marius remembers. He only has 16 sous on him. <gasps> and the cab driver's like, well, it's gonna be 40. Oof. And Marius is distraught. Yeah. For the sake of 24 sous that he didn't have, his joy, his happiness, his love were lost to him. And he's plunged back into the darkness. And, you know, he'd only just regained his sight. And now he was to be blind again. And he thinks bitterly, it must be said, with deep regret of those five francs he'd given away to that wretched girl that same morning. Bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> You're like, I see you are a prick. <laughs> like Victor Hugo also, but you too. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. As you were talking, I was... Um, go. My grin was so wide because I was like, <laughs> "This little rat bastard! I hate him." You've shown your true colours today, Marius. <laughs> it's true he has. He's been peeking. He's been really judgmental. And then he's like, "Wow! I, even though I heard that girl say, I'm so happy you gave me some money. I'm gonna have the first meal of four days.'" He's like. I can't fucking believe that I gave money away. I could be stalking this girl. <laughs> yeah, what's more important, your life or my hard-on? Well, those five francs would have saved him, Nemo. Born him again. I see, yeah. So... It's a religious hard-on. 
when you use a religious metaphor for your hard-on, is that not the most important thing a man can do? Exactly. That's what Jesus would have wanted. I'm sure it is. So, yeah. so he's got to retire the black thread of his destiny mm. to the beautiful gold thread that had just floated before his eyes and broken once again. He returns to the house in despair. He, if he had been paying attention to anything that wasn't his SU, mm. such as the conversation happening before his eyes while he was peeking, mm. yeah. he might have been able to you know, console himself that Mr. LeBlanc's promised to come again this evening. Yeah. <sighs> this is uh, the Confer yeah. uh, Kufarak <laughs> podcast just being like, fucking hell. <laughs> They like really had the high of like, oh my god, he's like connected some dots with this letter thing. Yeah, and now they're both just head, uh, head in hands, just like, <laughs> how, how, God, this really does throw a light on the education system of Paris, doesn't it? They're just like, this is we what we get for daring to be like, maybe there's hope for this kid. Yes, yes, yes. We spoke way too soon, and then we jinxed it. But on his way, on his like sad sack walk back into the house, like I'm picturing proper like arms and shoulders thrown forward, head down, like slump walk mm-hmm. back into the house. He does notice on the other side of the boulevard, there's Jondrette talking to some unnerving looking fellows <gasps> um, who, who appear ill-intentioned. And who fairly regularly sleep during the day, which suggests they work at night. Mm. Um, which can only mean one thing. <laughs> they, the pair of them, <laughs> look like the type that surely would have drawn a policeman's attention. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but Marius scarcely noticed. So I guess we're lucky that he noticed at all. Sadly preoccupied as he was, he couldn't help but notice that um, they looked like. A certain Ponchard, alias Printenaire, alias Brigrenel, <laughs> that Kufrek had once pointed out to him. Yes. So maybe <laughs> Kufrek on the podcast that's just watching Marius's life because they've given up on him being mm. a true crime podcast is like, well, look, I told him something and he flicked his eyes up and noticed them. So. He used 1% of the information he's been given. Yeah, it's a countdown to whether um, to to whether any more of that information gets from brain to like, from like hind brain to like his actual thoughts. <laughs> it's really unlikely. <laughs> that was confair. <laughs> <laughs> but like... He noticed one whole thing, and at this point in the game, like, that's all that you can hope for. (laughs) This uh, particular dangerous-looking Night Stalker has since become a celebrated scoundrel, Um, but at this time was merely a notorious scoundrel. I was meant to, I now remember, I was meant to look up if this was, like, a real dude. What was his name again? Panchold, alias Printenaire. Cold bread? It was showed, not hot. Oh, maybe. Oof. Yeah, because chocolate showed is hot chocolate. Nice. Because well, but it's so hard with Hugo because like he he really it really sounds like he's describing a real dude because he's like he'd gained a following towards the end of his last reign. He was the topic of conversation in the lion's den at La Force in mm. prison. There's a spot used in 1843 that um he'd helped with a breakout of 30 prisoners and under the path of the guards patrol you can see his name Panchold audaciously carved by his own hand into the patrol path in 1832 the police already had their eye on him but his career had not yet seriously begun so it sounds like a real dude but it also could just be Hugo doing some flair yeah it seems like everything that's coming up is is about Les Mis so yeah I'm gonna say it's a a, a sound uh, Victor Hugo doing his job as a writer. Mm, good job. <laughs> There's someone on Tumblr. I, I was scrolling through, and someone was like, "It is interesting that 
was it Kufarak or Confer who could like name all of these aliases of of someone from the Patrimoniere? So like, what 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 is he doing? <laughs> how does he how does he know all these people? <laughs> That's true. I mean, he's got to buy his weed from someone. <laughs> That is very, very accurate, and I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're here. <laughs> I'm glad to be of service. Yeah. Oh, Kufarak definitely has a weed vape. Oh my god, yeah. But it's like flavoured ones, where it's like yeah. blueberry. Blueberry weed. Yeah, for sure. You can get that. Excellent. So, and I, yeah, I guess he must be buying it from Panchord. <laughs> Hot bread. Bread, bread. We love to recognize very little French. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong on my account. <laughs> but yeah, so we get that little like it really does sound like it could be a real dude. Um, yeah, but then it could also be that thing where like maybe Hugo just saw a man's name carved into a bridge and is like, I'm gonna think of the coolest backstory for that. Mm. But I guess we'll never know. <laughs> so next chapter, all this to say. Marius is plodding up the stairs to his old house. Mm. Just as he's about to go back into his cell, mm. he becomes aware of the elder Jondrette's uh, girl behind him, following him down the corridor. The girl was a detestable sight to him, because she's the one he gave his five francs to. Yeah, <laughs> like, how you're, dare. <laughs> you're such a bitch. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, in the musical... Yeah. You don't get enough eponine, I've realized. Mm. Because she's best girl. She is. She is best girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, best non-binary icon if That's the uh, little creature is to believe. Yeah, and all of the um these poor people living sexless sexless and genderless. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and um, an eponine does like a bow. Yeah, you're right. Thank you for the reminder. Um, yeah, eponine's just like MVP for me mm-hmm. at the moment. I mean, that won't change. So okay, excellent. Um, no, oh, but that also makes me sadder because so <laughs> so eponine's like following after him, and he's being miserable, mm. and he's like. I don't want to deal with this right now. Goes into his room and like goes to push the door behind him, but mm. there's a hand holding the door because, as we've said, he's a little weak boy. And even though Eponine hasn't eaten in days, yeah, is still like stronger than this little weed man. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Who's there?" It was the Jondrette girl. You again, Maria said harshly. What do you want with me? And she looks pensive. And she doesn't have the self-assurance of that morning. And and where in that morning, like in the last scene we saw her, she'd like confidently walked into his room and was like fiddling around with everything. This time she remains in the shadows of the corridor. And he's like, why won't you answer me? What do you want with me? She looked up at him with her dull eyes. Um, and a brightness of some sort seemed to dimly kindle in them. And asked, Monsieur Marius, you look sad. What's the matter with you? With me? said Marius. Yes, you. Nothing's the matter with me. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. <laughs> oh, no, there isn't. <laughs> like, He's behind you. <laughs> this is literally how the dialogue goes. Was, yes, there is. No, there isn't. I know there is. Leave me alone. <laughs> And he tries oh. to push the door shut on her, but she can just keep she just keeps holding it open. Oh my god. I I I imagine what Victor Hugo would say if he knew that his like literary masterpiece got made into a very English pantomime. Yeah, I really do think that it's our life's work to make it happen. Yeah. Well, because cause, so I've been working with someone who's um French this week. And uh, she actually went of her own volition without me even mentioning Les Mis. She went to go and see Les Mis because um, she had never, she didn't know that it was a musical in the UK. And she was like, oh, did you know that it was originally a French musical and it failed in France and now it's in the UK? And I was like, 
carry on please do tell me more oh you're interested now are you um but yeah she was like it's uh basically they don't talk about it in france and i was like it's so funny that like the 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 french literary masterpiece like they kind of um orphaned it because the british got their hands on it (laughs) like oh no it's cringe yeah, literally. That's fair, and we're gonna make it more cringe. Exactly. We're gonna we're gonna shit on Hugo's grave. <laughs> How do you like that, Hugo? Like it will be, like we would make it with so much love. Like we would have the best time. But knowing yeah. how much he'd hate it would just make that time even sweeter. Yeah. What was that thing that he said? Um, oh. It was something like frogs copulating yeah. on the grave or <laughs> the something. Frogs copulate on your grave. Yeah, we'll make it happen, Hugo. <laughs> we can be in France. <laughs> well, yeah, we can. We can go to his grave, and we're frogs. Oh, that's <laughs> we'll like hold hands over it. That's as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> I think he'd hate that. Yes, yes, yes. I we can't help that he literally wrote this to be the perfect pantomime. <laughs> Um, he was gagging for it. He was. he was getting down on his knees <laughs> asking for it. MVP Eponine like brings the panto tone down mm. and is like, listen, you shouldn't be like this. <laughs> <laughs> Eponine says to us. <laughs> no, Eponine... She reaches through the page and is just like, shh. I'm a very poor person who hasn't eaten in four days. Please. But actually, Eponine like just wants, well, at least for Marius to be having a good time. So actually, I think yeah. she would she would be happy that we're joyful, um, mm. because she's like, look, even though you're not rich, you were a good sort this morning. Be a good sort again now. You gave me something to eat, so tell me what's wrong. It's clear you're unhappy, and I don't want you to be unhappy. Mm. what's to be done about it can i be of help give me something to do you don't need to tell me your secrets i'm not asking you to but all the same i can can be of use um i'm sure i can help you if you need someone to take letters go inside houses make inquiries find out addresses follow a person that's what i can do so tell me what's wrong and i'll go speak to somebody sometimes if someone speaks to somebody that's all it takes to find things out and everything's put right let me help you. And you're like, mm. you don't deserve that. Yeah, literally. <sighs> like, this is watching your like super attractive, super great friend fall in love with the worst cis white boy. It is. Because you're like, she's got so much going on right now. And she still like had the time to be like, oh, look, look at how sad this person I only met just now looks. Hmm. How do I fix that? You can do better. You can do better. And of course, an idea flashes through Marius' mind. What straw will a man not clutch at to save himself? Asks Hugo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he moves closer to her and is like, listen. Which in French, he uses the familiar to form. So he's being very familiar with her all of a sudden. Mm. And immediately she's got a gleam of joy in her eyes and like, yes, that's better. Don't be so standoffish. And it's like, well, you brought that old man and his daughter here. Do you know their address? No. Could you find it out for me? And immediately her eyes that went from dull to joyful now darken a bit. And she's like, that's what you want? Mm. Yes. Do you know them? No. What you mean is you don't know her, but you want to know her. And this mm. switch from them to her, there was some sort of insinuation and bitterness. And I'm like, I get that Hugo's like, she's so jealous. And you're like, <laughs> because Eponine is MVP. I'm like, yeah. maybe there's also a little bit of like, you want this girl's address, you do not know her. Yeah. Okay, that's what you want, you little creep. Yeah, fucking stalker. Like, how how do you how can how can that come across in any other way? No, it can't. It can. <laughs> Both of our brains are like, uh <laughs> Yeah, Maris like, well can you? And she's like, get you the lovely young lady's address. And again, 
the words of the lovely young lady. There was an implication that irritated Marius. And you're like, what is your leg on which yeah. you stand, sir? It, yeah, it's not like she's falsely, like, do you have a better fucking excuse, yeah. Marius? It's exactly- you could say, oh, look, I picked up her handkerchief. Uh, it was on the floor there. I just need to go and return it to her. Like, that's... 0.5 seconds of thinking and it's true your brain was firing on too many more cylinders as Mimo than Marius is good <laughs> that would be in our Kuferet Cumberfair side podcast piece yeah where they're like why don't you just do that but like they don't we don't want to encourage this behavior but yeah, like, that's true. at least do a better job of it yeah literally if you're gonna stalk her please just make it seem a little bit less fucking creepy uh, and then, yeah, Marius is like, well, put it anywhere you like. Uh, that's what I want. Their address, full stop. She stares at him intently and is like, well, what will you give me? Whatever you want. Whatever I want? Yes. You'll have the address. She bows her head and, with an abrupt gesture, pulls the door and closes it. And he collapses into his chair and holds his head with elbows on the table. He's just almost dizzy overwhelmed by thoughts he cannot grasp. Everything's happened so much since this morning. <laughs> the angel's appearance, her disappearance, what this creature had just said. It's a slur when it comes from him. I know! <laughs> once we've had, once again, like, creature, he, what was it earlier, like, vile... Toads? Vile toads in the same room as this angel again, probably. Now there's maybe kind of another glimmer of hope, so like it's confusing his brain. And then all at once he's jolted from this because he can hear Jondrette's harsh voice uh, <laughs> through the the wall again. I tell you, I'm sure of it. I recognised him. Of whomst was he speaking? <laughs> <laughs> recognised whom? Monsieur Leblanc, the father of his asile. What did Jondrette know him? And Marius is like, oh, maybe I'm about to obtain a sudden and unexpected amount of information. Could he learn something about, at last, about who it is that he loves? Who that girl was? Who her father was? Um, heavens above, a truth's about to be unveiled. So he leaps, he does not climb onto the chest of drawers, uh-huh. and is once again at his little peephole in the petition uh-huh. wall, that were like, well, Hugo, you said with your words, uh, where are your words that basically said it's okay to um, st- spying on misfortune in order to relieve it is permissible but mm. this isn't spying on misfortune to relieve it so yeah. this is just yeah. like spying this is just creepy boy now so nothing in the family's appearance had changed Hmm. Except that now the wife and the daughter, uh, they're going through the parcel and they're putting the woolen stockings on and they're putting little sleeve vests on that were in the package. Mm. Um, and Jondrette has evidently just returned from where Marius saw him outside speaking to those scoundrels. Mm. Um, <laughs> scoundrels. <laughs> You're a scoundrel and a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the older daughter is bandaging the younger one's hand. And he he starts pacing. Oh yeah, and in reply to him being like, I recognised him. The wife's like, really? Are you sure? And he's like, I'm sure. It was eight years ago. (laughs) But I recognised him. I would recognise those luscious lips anywhere. (laughs) The luscious lips are about the only thing that he doesn't specify he recognised. Because he's like, I told you, look closely. That build. (laughs) That face. Scarcely any older looking says there's some people who just don't age. I don't know how they manage it. And the sound of that voice. <laughs> the, I love that Hugo always takes time for like even his villains to be like, I just don't know how he can look so good still, but he does. He's so beautiful despite his aging years. <laughs> this is definitely not about me, Victor Hugo. <laughs> Intellectually, I know he's aged, but you just couldn't tell. (laughs) He's better dressed, that's all, you mysterious old devil. (laughs) I, like, maybe I'm making it sound flattier, but, like, how else could you say it? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's clearly Tanadi is clearly um yes. I, I did the last time that you said get on his knees, I, I did um try and Google again um whether there were any fix, but I don't think there are. Oh yeah, I thought there was like two. Maybe it was some other thing. Yeah, we, we Google fix for this quite <laughs> yeah, a lot. Quite often. Yeah, and then he's like to his daughter, he's like, clear out. Strange you didn't it didn't leap out at you and the, the daughters get up and the mother's like, Oh, even with that bad hand of hers and Jean Drette's like, Yeah, we'll do it good, get going. So they clear off with the instruction to be back by five o'clock, because um, 'cause mm. they'll be needed again. And then Marius grows even more attentive. Oh, too much excitement. <laughs> uh Jondrette paces a bit more and then tucks his trousers into the bottom of his woman's chemise that he's wearing and then suddenly turns back to the Jondrette woman with his arms folded and is like, shall I tell you something? The young lady. Well, retorted his wife, what about the young lady? And Maris is like, okay, I'm not in it. <laughs> no more doubt. They're talking about the people I think they're talking about. What? <laughs> Who? Oh my God. <laughs> Because up to this point, there was doubt. Right, yeah. Yeah, of course. So he's all ears now, uh, as if his life depends on it. Um, But Chandrette whispers in his wife's ear, and then he straightens up and is like, that's her. Her, said the wife. Her, said the husband. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's behind you. No expression could convey what was contained in the mother's her surprise, rage, hatred, anger, all in an appalling tone of voice. Those were all very similar words. Yeah, mostly like anger, 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 surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all it took for this big dozy woman to wake up and from repulsive to become dreadful. Mm. She's like, impossible to think that my girls are going barefoot and haven't got a single dress to wear. She's in a satin cloak trimmed with fur and a velvet hood and ankle boots and everything. 200 francs worth of clothing. Um, no, you've got it wrong. Like, the uh, in, in the first place, the other one was a fright and this one isn't bad looking. She really isn't bad looking. It can't be her. Well, Mrs. Tenardier, if only you had been born nice. Um... <laughs> then you wouldn't be in the situation, so says Victor Hugo. So, yeah, because, like, she just described this not-bad-looking gal. Mm. Meanwhile, she's turning her broad, red, pale-skinned face towards the ceiling, gazing at it with a twisted expression. And in that moment, she seems to marry us even more fearsome than her husband. Mm. As so with the eyes of a tigress. Yeah, she's properly horrified that she's like, oh, that horrible, fine young lady who looked at my girls with pity in her eyes was that Mm. brat. Uh, If only I could give her a good kick in the guts with my clogs. And she's dishevelled and her nostrils are flaring and her mouth's open and her fists are clenched. Um, And then she falls back into her seat and he's still pacing. Uh, And he's like, I'll tell you something else. (laughs) My fortune's made. Uh Um, She's like, what... (laughs) He's like, well, not that long ago, I was like a die of hunger if you have a fire, die of cold if you have bread, part of that parish. But I've had enough of misery, mine and other people's. I'm not joking anymore. I don't see anything funny about it anymore. Enough of this farce, for God's sake. No more messing about. I want to eat my fill. I want to drink my fill. Make a pig of myself. Sleep. Do nothing. I want just want my turn. Before I drop dead, I want to be a bit of a millionaire. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> And so he's going to join the barricades, um, mm-hmm. he's going to join a union and uh, organise for social change, right? Well, we know that, you know, all he wants to do is sleep, so really he's just one of those, like, lazy, destitute yes. people that, yes, like, yes, yes. what's he even, like, doing taking up space? Yeah, 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 you're right. He doesn't deserve anything, so. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you know, I want to be a bit of a millionaire. Like some others. Ooh. And the white wife's like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, what do I mean? Listen. And the wife's like, no, it's not so loud. Uh, there's some things no one else should hear. And he's like, bah, who's going to hear our next door neighbor? <laughs> he doesn't hear anything. That great numbskull. 
don't worry about why I whispered in your ear earlier because uh, we didn't need those. We needed the suspension of disbelief, but now now we uh, can tell all of the secrets. Oh my god, yeah, Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> Always thinking about like, was it Les Mis or was it Notre Dame? It might have been. It might have been Notre Dame where he like had sold the playwrights before he'd even finished writing the book. Mm. And then the people, the like company that had commissioned the book, were like, "You can't sell those to a different company than us." <laughs> also, you've not even finished the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I would co- totally believe that he would do it again, where he's like, "Yeah, as you say, like completely imagining this on stage." Mm-hmm. You little prick. Because <laughs> how could literally he just like whispered who? Her could be in his wife's ear for like yeah. anyone listening, even you, the audience, shouldn't know yet. <laughs> Just in case you don't know who this young woman with this uh, old rich man are, but 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 you but you need to be told what's about to happen, um, so that Marius can hear. Literally, but he does lower his voice, mm-hmm. but. One favourable circumstance, which made it possible for Marius not to miss anything, was that snow had fallen, and that deadened the sound of the carriages and the boulevard. We were like, Great. I'm glad your ears are so good now. Yeah. Well, well, he had selective hearing before because all he could hear was um, birds. Uh, Suddenly appearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So Jondrette's like, listen, everything's fixed. I've seen some people... He's going to be by at six o'clock this evening. He'll bring his 60 francs, the bastard. Um, (laughs) Did you see how I came out with all that? My 60 francs. Isn't it stupid? He'll come at six. And our neighbor will be gone for his meal. And Mayor Bourgogne is going to be washing dishes. So no one will be at home. Um, And the neighbor never comes home before 11. But I'm like, I just don't imagine Mary staying out so late. No, yeah, like... Leaving at six and then come back at eleven. Like I know his friends take him out occasionally because they took him dancing. But... Yeah, that's five hours to go and eat a meal. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine he like okay walks to Greg's, <laughs> <laughs> or even even if you go for a like sit down meal, that's an hour. Even if if you're eating alone, an hour is like the maximum that it's gonna take. But then, like, okay, you're eating with friends. Even then, it's, like, three hours. Unless you're, like, you know, really, like, having a a jolly. But it was like, oh, he eats a medium meal and he doesn't drink wine or whatever, right? Yeah. Although I just, did just have the thought, uh, my dad's best friend is French. Mm. And he apparently, like say like with christmas dinner like you don't leave the table you're literally like sat at the table all day Mm. um so it's less like at least the way i would do a meal you know we especially if you're at home you like have the meal and then you go sit down like on the sofa to do all your chatting Mm. but it's like you stay at the table yeah and the food and you drink wine yeah so maybe that's a thing but, mm. like, is he always going out with his friends? Are they not <laughs> cringed by him every night? Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is Victor Hugo being like, <laughs> yeah, it's completely normal for every meal to take five hours, right? And uh, everyone else being like, no. <laughs> he doesn't have any friends. And also it said that he didn't, like, go out. He just, like, stays at home and mopes. Like, and also that, like, Kuvarek doesn't see him often. yeah. I guess he's got to think about the mysterious girl between every bite of his meal. Right, yeah. But five hours. Yeah, Hugo. Yeah, well, that's the information we've been given. It's one meal, Hugo. How long could it take? (laughs) Five hours? (laughs) One meal for one sad boy? (laughs) Um, Yeah, the girls will keep a lookout. Um, You'll give us a hand. He'll do as he's told. 
And the wife's like, oh, well, what if he doesn't? He's like, well, then we'll do him in. And then he starts laughing. Ha 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 ha. Except... <laughs> Great belly work there, thank you. <laughs> Except the laughter was cold and quiet and chilling. And Oh, bad foley work there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to laugh in a cold manner. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> really peak there, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Except that wasn't quiet. How do you quietly... I don't think I have it in me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's a conniving laugh. He's going to workshop his laugh. <laughs> yeah, he just does all of that. All of that was canon. Um... That would make you feel some kind of way to behold. <laughs> and it's the first time Iris has seen him laugh. And then Jean-Drette goes to a cupboard, takes out his hat. Um, I was like, right, I'm off. I've got some people to see. I won't be out any longer than I need to be. You stay inside. And then, like, kind of to himself, he's like, hee hee hee. A great stroke of luck, after all, that he didn't recognize me. If he hadn't, he wouldn't have come back. If he had, he wouldn't have come back. And he would have slipped through my fingers it's my beard that saved me. My romantic beard. My mm. nice little romantic beard. Ooh, Jean-Paul stroke your fingers through my nice romantic beard. <laughs> and then he laughs again. Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then he looks out the window and is like, oh, it's disgusting out there. And then he, goes, he puts the coat on and is like, oh, it's too big for me, oversized. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and you know what you and you know what they say? A, a big man's coat has a big heart. <laughs> <laughs> We're so close to the end, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it's a good thing you left this coat for me, that old crook. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to go out. And everything would have come to nothing. When you think, what things can turn on? <laughs> you know what else will come <laughs> to nothing? You know uh... what other things can turn on? <laughs> and then he leaves the room. Great, excellent. But then he turns back around. <laughs> He's like, I almost forgot. Uh, have a charcoal brazier burning. Uh, and he gives the wife the five francs. And she's like, charcoal how much and he's like two good bushels she's like that's 30 sous um well with what's left i'll get some food and he's like no don't go spend the whole five francs why not because there's something i need to buy <gasps> um something how much will you need where's the nearest ironmongers he's given directions and she's like well tell me how much you'll need for what it is that you want to buy Mm. Um, 50 sous, 3 francs that is to say, 3 francs um, she's like, well there's not going to be much left for dinner, he's like, today's not the day for eating, there's something better to do and with that remark he closes the door again <coughs> really leaving this time and Marius heard his footsteps recede down the corridor um, <gasps> and at just that moment the church <gasps> struck one bong <laughs> <laughs> says Kufarak as he <laughs> takes a hit of his blueberry vape. We did it! <laughs> we did it! Um, did it give exact instructions on how to get to this ironmongers? We can go next month. Oh, that's true. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, where's the nearest one? Rue Moffatard. Yes, I can picture it. The shop on the corner of the street. Ooh, let's find out what's there now. <laughs> We'll show you, Hugo. <laughs> we we go and stand outside what is probably like a, a bank, an HSBC, but French. and uh, Cafe, if we're lucky. <laughs> yes, yes. And be like, oh, there was an ironmonger here who made a, I know what, but I won't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. Nemo Excellent. won't tell. He he he. He he he. Ho ho hon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, de la fromage. <laughs> this has been Brandon Barricade's latest podcast, produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. It's a Captain's Collections podcast. 
If you like this podcast and you want to give us some money, you can on Ko-fi or on Patreon. Or if you have any comments, questions or quibbles, especially about... Oh, what was it? Uh, about... If we were wrong that it was Victor Hugo's uh, little tick to say... Um, that is to say. That is to say. This is not Hugo's tick. Then please do educate us on our email, uh, lamespodcast at gmail.com or on our Twitter, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast or on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. You can also uh, leave us five stars on Spotify. You can also download our theme tune from... Uh, audio director Jade's website jadeusabi.com or on her bandcamp jadeusabi.bandcamp.com and I believe that's everything so thank you for listening say dear yeah great thanks what was the road called Rue Moo Fet Ard there is Ooh, a mokocha as a chocolate shop. Ooh, let's go there. Ah. Or if it's the other corner, there's a Mexican restaurant. Or Le Papillon, a Japanese restaurant. We just have to go to every <laughs> restaurant on the corner of room Mofeta. Um, we know it's near the church of St. Medard. Because you can hear okay. the bong. Yes, the bong. There is a McDonald's nearby, you know. <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs>